0: Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector. I am your host. If this is your first time listening, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. This podcast exists for a really simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. And here's how we do that. Each episode, a different guest comes on. They ask me three questions. We have a 10-minute conversation about each of them. I hopefully share some helpful advice and strategies for both the guest and you, the listener or viewer. That's it. No fluff, lots of actionable tips that you can put to use. So let's get into it. Today, my guest is Jason Pearl. Jason is a Faith Forward entrepreneur, founder and president of Naker Consulting which specializes in helping businesses under $10 million in revenue grow to more than 10 million as quickly and responsibly as possible, focusing on repeatable, consistent revenue. Since he started his company six years ago, he's helped generate approximately $500 million in revenue for his clients. Leadership, growth, and entrepreneurship are his skills, so he fits right in here, and people are his passion he also has a growing personal brand where he shares daily advice on what he's learned along the way of his 20 plus year career of scaling businesses he's active on linkedin i know i see him there in the comments and in my feed all the time he offers one-on-one intensive coaching calls via his website jasonmpearl.com and recently launched his video newsletter everyone can win which hits inboxes every thursday And in five minutes or less, he gives subscribers actionable tips on leadership, growth, and entrepreneurship. So with that in mind, I feel like I've known Jason for a while, but this is the first time we've actually spoken quote unquote face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom or whatever you want to call it. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Josh. Really excited to be here and use your knowledge to help me out a little bit. Hopefully I can come up with some decent answers to your questions. So (laughs) let's dive into it. Tell me what is your first question? What's the first thing you want to know? So first
1: question is this, obviously I've been doing this for a little bit. I've built out my niche and my audience. Got a website, I post consistently, LinkedIn is my main platform. I built a product which is my one-on-one intensive calls with business owners and leaders and I'm I just launched this video newsletter as as you had said. And I'm having steady growth, right? But I'm trying to you know see what I can do to to really increase the newsletter subscribers and the following. I'm kind of plodding along and kind of looking for that next Kind of shot in the arm to get me to the next level.
0: What is your cool. advice on how to help me get there? Cool. So let's start with this. It's interesting. Everybody always wants to grow, right? They're always like, How do I grow? How do I grow? How do I get yeah. more? And it doesn't matter where they are. They have 10 subscribers right. and they're like, How do I grow? They have, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers. How do I grow? So let's start with why is it that you want to grow? What is it that you think or hope or believe if you were to tomorrow double triple your audience, what is that going to do for you? What's the sort of end goal here?
1: Yeah, so so the end goal is, is obviously building community. I've been mm-hmm. in the business world, the corporate world for a couple decades. Started my consulting business six years ago, and you know I have a message that there's kind of a better way to do business in life, right? And everyone can win. Newsletter is focused on my kind of experience throughout the course of the last couple decades. So. The growth side is there's so many professionals, leaders, business owners that just feel downtrodden, right? They just feel like Mm. they're exhausted. They don't know where to go. We're in an economic downturn. So I want to grow because I I would like to get my voice out there more to help more businesses and more leaders figure out how to effectively succeed more often.
0: And is that not, and obviously these things are related and there's overlap, but I think it's helpful because I think a lot of times people talk about growth generally, and there's a difference between I want to grow because I want to help more people and I want to grow because I want more clients or I want more sales my guess and I don't know but you've obviously had a lot of success already my guess is you want a little of both but is it really about growing the sort of client business piece or is it about just sort of you know helping more people
1: yeah it's a great question I mean I obviously I'd be lying if I didn't say it was both it's more of a think of it as like a funnel builder like People get Mm -hmm. exposed to me. They check out the newsletter. They like what I have to say. And they start kind of figuring out what are the other ways to connect with them. They do an intensive call with me and they say, okay, how can we work together more closely or more significantly? So it is both, but in a world, one of the reasons I was super hesitant to start a newsletter is because there's, you know, there's the behemoths like you that are out there that have thirty-five thousand subscribers, and I was like, I didn't want to be noise in a world that's very flooded. You and I have kind of had some conversations about a podcast. I did, I did thirty-plus episodes of a podcast. It went well, but the attention span of most leaders and professionals may not always be you know 30 to 40 minutes so i said let me try to do a video newsletter because i communicate more appropriately this way than i would maybe in writing and really wanted to kind of try that out so so that's kind of why i made the shift and it's a little bit of both
0: so the first thing i would say to you and to to anyone else is getting really clear on what type of growth you want and why, right? That kind of question that I just gave you. Because a lot of times I'll see people that they're like, oh, you know, I wish I had a much bigger newsletter, podcast, YouTube channel, whatever. And I go, well, what are you ultimately trying to do? And they're like, well, I'm really trying to grow my business or get clients. And, you know, a lot of times if that's the end goal, they don't need as many people as they think they need. Like I'll have people who say like, oh, I wish I had 20,000 newsletter subscribers and like, but you can only work with 20 people a year. <laughs> like, right. like it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter or they go the opposite way. They're not looking for business. They're looking to grow, to scale their, you sort of, you know, they're giving back or they're free, whatever their, you know, whatever their goal is. So I think it's really important to sort of understand. And then lots of people like you want a little of both. They are related, but I think it's important to understand in your own mind, what type of growth you are looking for that said like getting into like okay so how do you grow how do you take it to the next level if you have some traction if you're established a bit and I don't mean like huge audience but there's you're up and running right stuff is working you have an audience you have a business etc so in that scenario I think what you want to do is you want to think about growth you want to approach growth inside out as opposed to outside in so what I think a lot of times people do is they go what can I add that's going to help me grow. You know, can I, should I start using TikTok? Should I add a newsletter if I don't, everyone should have a newsletter, but should I add a newsletter if I don't have a newsletter? Should I do a podcast? Should I do a YouTube video? I think you want to go because you're up and running and have some stuff that's working. You want to go inside out as opposed to outside in that inside out is let's take, you know, you want to take a look at what are the things that are really working for me? And what would I have to do to amplify that? And specifically, I've talked about this in another episode and we'll link to that, and I have a blog post about it as well, but I sort of see this creative or creative entrepreneur system or engine as sort of three different phases. There's the discovery phase and each one requires its own strategy. The quick version is the discovery phase is how are people finding you who don't know you exist? The connection phase is how are those people who find you connecting to you? Usually it's subscribing to an email list or something like that. And then the monetization phase is how are those people who are connected to you actually hiring you, buying your products, et cetera. So when it comes to amplifying growth, I would look at each of those three levels of your situation and go, what is the one thing? So we'll start with discovery, right? So people that are discovering you and finding you. What is the one thing you're currently doing now that is working the best for in terms of people finding you who don't otherwise know you exist?
1: So as of today, it's probably my LinkedIn platform. I'm most consistently okay. on LinkedIn, sharing my experiences, sharing, you know, business successes, failures, all that type of stuff. So I would say that's where my largest following is. And that's
0: where that's where most people find me. And they're finding you because they're connected to other people who are engaging with your posts and they're discovering you in some way through that, I'm imagining, right? Yes, yes. So, okay. So, what I would do in that case, I would say, as opposed to going, again, this is inside out versus outside, mm-hmm. as opposed to going, should I run Facebook ads? Should I launch some other thing? I'd go, okay, LinkedIn's working. What would I have to do or what could I do to 10x the number of people that are discovering me on LinkedIn? And that's obviously a whole other conversation. But I think when you drill into that, you can look at that at a very micro level, right? So you could go, this individual post, these individual types of posts that worked really well, what would I have to do? How could I get 10 times as many people to see it? Now, some of that may be paid. Some of that may be organic. Some of that may be, do I actually send, you know, do I link these posts to people in my newsletter? Do I, you know, there's a million different things. Do I reach out to... 10 people I know who have audiences and say, hey, would you share this one post? So you can go super micro and you can go on a macro level and go, okay, how do I, if I wanted to 10X my LinkedIn growth over the next six months, what could I do differently? Does that mean posting more? Does that mean commenting on more people? Some of this is going to be trial and error, but strategically approaching growth in that way of basically you're going, what are the winners? What's working? How can I add fuel to the fire, right? And pull levers. That's the discovery piece. So then I would go to the connection piece. So what do you think is working best for you from a connection standpoint? And it might be people following you on LinkedIn. It might be subscribing to your newsletter. It might be if you do public speaking, that's leading mm-hmm. people to connect to you. But what do you does anything stand out of you of what's working the best from a connection standpoint?
1: Yeah, so one of the, I guess what I would say is one of the main differentiators of, because there's a lot of guys in my space and guys and gals that Mm -hmm. do what I do and are very successful and very good at what they do, right? So audience is, is a differentiator. And I would probably, anytime I use my kind of like say like my faith platform and how it Mm -hmm. integrates and how it directs my business and my business dealings and how I operate as a professional dealing with others. That's Mm -hmm. normally where I see the biggest jump. So I've been looking into that, but that's, you're kind of confirming what I already knew to like maybe even more niche down into, into areas Mm -hmm. that can get the biggest differentiator probably for who I am as an individual.
0: Yeah. I mean, the biggest advantage of people that already have some traction is you have the data of what you know works, right? And you can double and triple down on that. So so yeah, I would absolutely explore that. And then the third piece, again, the same thing, from a monetization standpoint, I would ask you what is converting the best? What is working the best? And how, again, look at ways that you can 10X that right? Yeah. So you might find, well, let me ask you, what do you sure. think is, what do you think right now is working best for you from a monetization standpoint?
1: So this will this will lead into my second question, but I'll explain it. I'll explain okay. this first. So what has worked the most for me to traction on the product I have is I've offered, mm-hmm. I've done a few campaigns on LinkedIn where I've kind of offered some obviously like free sessions and coaching and build the authority, you know, I've got some, te- you know, connected testimonial.io to, mm-hmm. to my platform and really got some really strong social proof testimonials. And that mm-hmm. started, I picked up a couple of coaching clients from that, coaching consulting clients from that and, and proving that out. We did that maybe, I don't know, four months ago and we picked up a couple of mm-hmm. clients from that. And then also with that was a significant number of followers that came with it. So I'd probably say that's monetization wise, that's what worked the best is free okay. and and then authority. Yeah.
0: So, so taking that and taking that same thing of like, okay, here's what's working. If I want to amplify and I'm using 10 X as just a random sure. number, right? But if I, you know, if I want to 10X that, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that on the monetization side. One is obviously get more clients, you know, two is high charge, higher prices. Three is upsells the value of an individual customer, right? They're paying X, could they be paying 10X for, for some other thing? And there's a variety of ways to do that. But I think if you approach that idea, like, you know, sort of what you're saying is like, look, getting people in this sort of free sample is then converting them into paid mm. stuff you might go okay well maybe and i don't know exactly how you're doing it right now but maybe instead of this sort of free one off call i can do a free group call and i'm getting 10 people in there as opposed to one person and i'm going to get you know higher quicker higher conversion rates maybe your paid product you know i'm for the first time right now running a group coaching program called inbox to invoice that's specifically about helping people with newsletters use their newsletter to get clients. It's the first time I've done a group coaching and that is scaling from a sort of per hour of time spent. That's absolutely scaling what I would get in a sort of Mm one-on-one. You know, this podcast is another example of, it's not monetized yet, but it will be, I'm going to have sponsors eventually and I'm working my way to that. But it's another example of I was having these conversations occasionally before for free, Mm -hmm. and now I'm going to wind up monetizing these. You know, I'm scaling it and scaling the content and all of that stuff. So I think it's identifying this is what works. How do I 10X what works? As opposed to how do I, which I think is what most people default to, is what's the new thing I can do to grow? And, but I think the key is, Not only what works, but I really think it's helpful if you look at the three different phases because ultimately what's going to happen is if you really do 10x the number of people that are discovering you and you 10x the number of people that are connecting to you after discovering you and you 10x the number of people or the amount that you're monetizing, I'm no math genius, but that's (laughs) going to be way more than a 10x. Yes. Right. Like that is really gonna amplify your quote unquote growth. And again, doing that with starting that starting point of what am I actually trying to grow and, and why. Yeah, um is. cool. So let's uh let's jump into your second question. What is the next thing you wanna know? So kind of coupled with what I just
1: talked about before. Mm-hmm. So I have a consulting business where we work specifically with businesses, my personal brand is working more with like the leaders of those businesses or entrepreneurs. So any suggestions or thoughts that you have on like building basically two brands in parallel to each other, maybe how they've converged or what you've seen work in the past?
0: This is, it's so funny. I get a version of this question all the time. The like personal professional brand thing is uh, understandably tricky and can be confusing. And I think part of that is because there's no one right answer. Like there's pros and cons and advantages to both. So let me start here. Tell me a little bit in your mind when you talk about personal brand versus Mm -hmm. professional brand, how in your mind do you like define those terms and how does that differentiate it? Just when you say professional brand, you mean company brand? Like what and what do you mean by personal? So professional brand really is more like company brand, right? So I have a consulting
1: firm called Naker Consulting and it has got a website and you know, I've got it's a boutique size consultant firm. So I've got a couple other consultants that work with me. And then there's jasonmpearl.com, which is kind of the personal brand that I've built over the last two years. Consulting business has been around for about six years. Personal brand, I really started as a form of marketing myself because people were buying Jason mm-hmm. Pearl, not Nacre Consulting. Yeah. So I just kind of got to the like, hey, let's just do this personal brand and it's going to funnel into whichever way we want. So naker Consulting is me normally getting contracted with businesses. And mm-hmm. JasonMPearl.com oftentimes is the leaders, business owners, or entrepreneurs that are coming mm-hmm. to be some individual help before it goes into mm-hmm. their into their businesses.
0: So, first of all, there's again, there's no one right way to do this, right? There's no like, oh, you should definitely just be the personal brand or you should sure. definitely play up the company. But one thing I think it's really important to keep in mind is... Building any one brand is incredibly difficult, as I'm sure you and everybody knows. <laughs> Building two is almost impossible. And there's naturally going to be overlap because, yes, you have a company. Sure. And it's more than just you, but it is sort of just you. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of overlap there, yep. right? Yep. So if you in your own mind are sort of prioritizing, I want to build both of these brands, you're number one, fighting an uphill battle, again, just because it's hard to build you know, one brand successfully you're also introducing confusion for yourself and for audiences. And what I for yourself, and I have found this is a mistake I've made plenty of times over the years and I still go back and forth on it, whatever. But you wind up with like even simple things from a content standpoint. Does this go on my personal account? Does this go on my business account? Does it go on both? If it goes on both, why should someone follow one or the other? Like it gets very convoluted very quickly. So either way, I recommend... I think the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you choose a clear priority for yourself. Both brands are going to exist because you have both things operating. Right. But I think in your own mind, you want to make sure you're not going, I'm trying to build both of these brands. Mm -hmm. Instead, you go, my priority in terms of time, effort, resources, et cetera, is my personal brand or is my company brand or whatever. My overall plan is people are going to get connected to or interested in this And that's going to introduce them to the other, right? Right. So it's think about it linear as opposed to sort of equal. And that can help you in a variety of ways. Again, it's not an either or, but you do want a sort of hierarchy there. Another thing that's important to understand about brand is no matter what you do, your brand is ultimately not what you say it is. It's what other people say it is. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have this sort of false assumption That, you know, I had a conversation on Twitter the other day with somebody. I said, you don't own your brand, even if it's a personal brand. You can say that you're X, Y, and Z. Your business, tons of businesses claim that they're X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. But if the audience, the customers of other people don't necessarily believe it, it doesn't matter what you say. Now, you can heavily influence your brand, and you should. This is not to say that you should just throw your hands up. and like I guess what people I am, whatever I am, right? You can influence it, but it's important to understand that ultimately other people are going to define your brand, not you. And what they're going to define, your brand is actually a reflection of the things you build and how you build. Not what you say, but I build these things. This is how I build them. This is how other people receive them. And therefore, that's how they perceive and say, this is what Jason is. This is what his company is, et cetera. I oftentimes have a red flag when people say to me, "I'm building my personal brand. I'm doing this," because I think the personal brand is a an outcome or a reflection of the other things you're building. I actually think setting out to build "quote unquote" build a personal brand is a mistake, right? I think those people usually wind up frustrated. That the way you actually build your personal brand is by focusing on what it is you want to build, who you want to help, how you want to help them. So with all of that in mind, I think what you actually want to do is you want to, the balance of your personal brand and your company brand is you're going to get the best of both worlds. So whichever you choose, whichever priority you set, it ultimately, you're going to kind of wind up in the same place. And I'll talk you through how I have approached it, just using my newsletter as an example. My newsletter is called For the Interested. It is not the Josh Spector newsletter. That is very purposeful. And in the very beginning, it actually was the Josh Spector newsletter, but then I shifted it to For the Interested. And to be honest, if I was starting today, the newsletter name would probably be even more specific to something about creative entrepreneurs. The mm-hmm. name For the Interested, it's a good brand. Sure. But it's not, doesn't necessarily make it obvious who it's for and what it is. But that said, so with For the Interested, the name of the newsletter or brand, in this case, the newsletter, no one's going to care about the Josh Spector newsletter if they don't know who Josh Spector is. Right. So having a newsletter, having a brand name makes people more likely to check it out in theory. Gotcha. But my newsletter comes from the email you see in your inbox is not For the Interested. It's Josh Spector. Once I'm using the brand to draw people in, and once they're in, they know it's me. They know that For the Interested isn't, it's not marketing brew. Right, For the Interested is not this sort of company thing. They don't know who's sending the newsletter, it's whatever, it's a group of people, it's me. I'm using the brand name only to help attract people who may not have any idea who I am, but then once they're in, they know it's me. They know For the Interested is me. There's no one that subscribes to my newsletter The name they see in their inbox every morning is Josh Spector. So that's an example of best of both worlds from a social standpoint going to, again, I've made all these mistakes, right? I used to have for the interested accounts and Josh Spector accounts. And what do I post here? And what do I, you know, whatever from a social perspective, I was like, I'm not, I stopped with all the brand accounts and just Mm -hmm. did my own personal. Again, every case is different, but for me, my business is primarily me. So therefore, I didn't want... If I had a choice, and this is another way to think about it, right? If you had a choice of which of your two brands you would want to be, quote unquote, bigger, for me, it was a no-brainer. I want it to be the Josh Spector brand, not the For the Interested brand. By the way, it's also why this podcast is not called For the Interested. It's called I Want to Know. I don't have I Want to Know accounts. I don't have my YouTube channels, not I Want to Know. It's Josh right. Spector videos. So I have made the choice... I, by the way, I could have gone the other one and could have been just as successful and just as effective. But making that choice and going, Josh Spector is the priority from a brand standpoint made every decision easier. I didn't have to, I don't have to have multiple channels. I didn't have to go, well, what do I name the YouTube, you know, the this, that, or the other? Mm -hmm. It also eliminates a lot of the confusion. Now, there are again upsides and downsides to all of this, you know, One of the upside is people like to connect with people and that's a, you know, that's a great thing. The downside is if I were to turn around one day and go, you know what, I want to sell my newsletter tougher because are people going to want for the interested if it's not Josh Spector? So, but in my mind, I was like, I don't see this. I'm not building this to be sold. So I think it makes sense. The key for you is to think about and choose a hierarchy of what you want. And I think from a personal brand standpoint, even if you choose to emphasize your personal brand, to understand that it's the work you do, the stuff you put out that's going to define that, that your goal isn't to build a brand. Your goal is to help people in this way. And then your brand becomes the reflection of that, which I know how you operate and I know that you do. But it's a slightly different mindset. Does that all make sense? Yeah, no, it's super helpful.
1: No, it's super helpful, and it's interesting because just expanding. Why, when I started my consulting firm, it was just me, and I brought on a couple other consultants as we've scaled and more work has come in. And I didn't call it, you know, Pearl Consulting or Jason Pearl Consulting. Mm -hmm. Always intended, probably to have some help in it. So yep. nacre consulting is the organic compound that makes up a pearl. So it does okay. come back to my name a little bit, That's but cool. most people yeah. aren't going to know that. So what you're mm-hmm. saying is is thoughts that I had 6 years ago when I was starting my firm. Yep. But, you know, I've created a bit of an intersection between personal brand and, and the business brand, but super super helpful. You gave me a lot of stuff to think about. So thank you.
0: Yeah. And there's and like I said, there's always going to be that overlap and that overlap is not a bad thing. I think it only becomes a bad thing and becomes paralyzing when you're not sure which you would prefer. Right. Yeah. And I always try to think that if I had a choice, I'd rather, again, looking at it in a very micro level, if I had a choice of having a million followers, which I'm not going to, but if I were to have a million <laughs> followers of Josh Spector, a million followers of the For the Interested, which would I rather have and why? And then you, know, you prioritize that. It makes all your decisions easier. And ultimately, they're going to do both because really what you're choosing is what is the entry door into my world? And then they're going to go and discover the other one. anyway. Right, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Uh, Great. So let's get to your third question. What is the
1: next thing you want to know? Yeah. So finally, obviously followed you for a while. We've interacted a lot on different platforms. When it comes to content, when it comes to projects and products that you're building, how do you iterate and how do you make the changes? Like what, what, Are there data points that you use? Is it, you know, that that help you kind of iterate on the content that you want to put out? Yeah, I'm a shield user, right? So I can see it's connected Mm -hmm. to my LinkedIn. So I can see which posts perform the best and things of that nature, but really interested in how you iterate and kind of figure out how you plan your content, things of that nature.
0: So First of all, I'd say I do a lot of iteration. I'm sort of very much a combination of like, let me look at the data and let me see what's happening. And then also just sort of general feel. It's very both quantitative and qualitative. It's one thing to look at how successful a post is, let's say, and it's another to look at the two comments that were left on it and go, well, what did that person say? That's interesting. That person mm-hmm. said that. So I think the so part of what you're asking is kind of how do I measure what's working? And I think right. a good place to start is you need to get real clear for yourself on what it means for something to work. And the more specific, the better. And obviously this ties into everyone's individual goals and all of that stuff. In some cases, it could be obvious, right? So if I'm assessing a, an individual project Or something that I'm doing. You know, in some cases, it may be like for this to work means it needs to make X amount of money or it needs to reach X amount of people. Like there can be some very specific, sort of obvious stuff, but it can also be more obscure, right? It can be, I'm defining this as working if I'm learning new skills, if I feel like I'm getting a different type of value. Maybe it's even just something I want to do to help people. And it's working if I feel like people are being helped. It doesn't have to be the sort of hardcore. It made this much money, it reached this many people, sure. et cetera. So a good example of that is, you know, the first four years I published my newsletter, I published every week without directly monetizing it at all. It did get me some clients, but like I was not making a dollar from actually publishing it every week directly, but I always viewed it as working because I was learning so much. It was starting to attract relationships, and there was sort of from a long-term viewpoint. I was like, this is a good thing. Like, this is how, I don't know exactly where this is headed, but this is working. Once you have a clear goal or an expectation for a project, then it's much easier to measure how it performs in comparison to that. So I think a lot of times people start things and they have not defined at all what success looks like for them. And then you find yourself really stuck with, I don't know if this is working or not, I don't know if i'm going to iterate i don't know what direction to iterate in i don't know i you find people all the time who literally are like with every day or every week or every you know month they're like should i quit should i give up on this is this working and that's a really hard decision to make if you haven't decided what it means for it to be working or not and then the other thing i think with that helps is i try for the most part this is something i've learned over the years not to start open-ended projects So this podcast is a perfect example of it. When I finally decided to start this podcast, in my own mind, I was like, I'm going to do 12 episodes. I'm going to put out an episode a week for three months and I'm going to do at least that and then I'm going to see. I'm not committing beyond that. I'm not launching a podcast and having it be this open-ended thing. I'm also not going to do less than that. I'm not going to do five episodes and go, no one's listening and should I quit? I'm going to do 12 episodes and then I'm going to sort of assess how is this going? Is it working? Do I want to do more? Do I want to take a pause? Do I want to do it less frequently? Do I want to do it differently? Do I want to iterate? All of that stuff, right? And what wound up happening was I got to that 12 episode mark and I was like, you know what? This feels pretty good. Like, And decided to just keep going. You can always decide to keep going. But I think if you don't sort of set a decision point, it gets real murky real fast, especially with things like most things that take time to quote unquote succeed, grow an audience, et cetera. And in terms of defining success, when I launched the podcast, for example, I did not set, yes, I wanted people to listen to it and I, you know, but I did not set a monetization goal. I did not set an audience goal. The quote unquote goal was like, it works if I do 12 episodes completely in my control and then I'll sort of assess the other thing is when it comes to iteration, which I iterate tons of stuff, I tend to launch things in as minimal a version as possible. I am not a perfectionist at all. I understand that everything I do, I will iterate on over time. It will improve, it will get better. That the process of doing it, I'm gonna learn a ton. And mm-hmm. after those 12 episodes, I'm gonna have a much better sense. I'm gonna have a lot more knowledge about doing a podcast than I have at this point. So I don't spend a lot of time trying to get everything perfect. And so with the podcast, again, this is a good example. I was like, look, I just want to record episodes and get them out. All the other stuff. And this was the first time I was doing video on YouTube and I'd never done mm-hmm. YouTube stuff before. I knew things like YouTube thumbnails, things like YouTube titles. Like I knew there's a million, YouTube's a rabbit hole of a million sure. things to sort of optimize and get And I knew that all of that was important, but very early on, I was like, I'm just not going to worry about it. Like I'll get it better. I'll iterate it on down the road. All that matters in this beginning part is that I record the episodes and and put them out. So I'm just now, and I'm 30 some episodes into this, I'm just now starting to dive in and go, okay, let's figure out how we really want to do these Mm -hmm. thumbnails. And let's figure out how to make these titles better. Let's figure out how to make the clips better. So that I go into a project knowing that I'm going to iterate as I go, which I think a lot of people, they either wind up avoiding or delaying projects or it's, get, it's real overwhelming. Same thing with social posts. Like I'll decide like, okay, I'm going to do, I'll figure out the nuts and bolts, but I'm going to do a post a day or I'm going to do whatever. Just get going and then the iteration can come. The other thing about iteration is I'm very strategic and deliberate about how I do it. So it's not just, oh, I'll iterate on it when something comes to me. And like I actively try to figure out How I can iterate. So I mentioned before this group coaching program, inbox to invoice that I'm doing. And this is the first cohort that I've done it with. It's 12 weeks. We're at about week seven. Next week will be week eight as I'm recording this. So at the halfway point of the program at the six week mark, I emailed everybody in it and I sent them a series of questions and I basically wanted feedback on. How's it going for you? What are you finding the most helpful? Any suggestions that you think might make this better, you know, worse? And, you know, we do a weekly call and and have a little online community. Topics that we haven't talked about that you'd like, you know, we're halfway through this. We've got six weeks to go. Let's talk about it. And that's really, that's what I mean by deliberate strategic Mm -hmm. iteration. Because what a lot of people I think would do is they might, first of all, they might not do that at all. But second of all, they might do it at the end and go, but why wait till the end? I realized like I can do it right now and there are going to be things and there are going to be ideas and suggest, number one, I want to know how people are feeling about it. But also, you know, I have another six weeks to immediately implement these things. So, and sure enough, I got great feedback and people are really liking it, but I also got really good suggestions, some of which were really obvious. Someone was like, hey, it'd be great to I give, we record the calls and they get the videos and all that, but I prepare notes for each call that I talk people through and give the suggestions and stuff. And someone was like, oh, it'd be great to get the notes, which is obvious, like a complete no brainer, but I hadn't thought of it. So I'm like, oh, so now I'm sending them the notes after the call. But that iteration only happens because I'm specifically making an effort to figure out how can I make this better? How can I iterate on this as I go? And, you know, I thought it might be helpful to just share, even though this is a group coaching thing, I sent six questions to people. And I think these questions could be adapted to anything you do. You could send these to newsletter subscribers. You could post them on LinkedIn about your LinkedIn posts or sure. a version of them. And so here were the questions that I asked about this. But again, I think they're easy to adapt. So the first question was, in general, how are you feeling about inbox to invoice so far? I just wanted a general reaction. Second question was, what are you finding the most helpful part of the experience? Be very easy to see, like, again, I'll just apply this to LinkedIn as an example. Question one easily could be in general, how do you feel about following my LinkedIn posts, right? What are you finding the most helpful of the stuff I share on LinkedIn would be very easy to ask. Sure. My third question are, was, are there any changes you'd like to see me make to how this is running? Maybe doesn't apply to LinkedIn, but could apply to a lot sure. of things, right? I could very easily on this podcast go, hey, are there any changes you'd like to see me make to, to how I do the podcast? Sure. The fourth question was, are there any topics or things you'd especially want me to cover or do in the next six weeks? This program has limited time. But with anything, are there topics you want? How many people on LinkedIn ever actually asked their audience, what would you like to see me talk about? They probably have suggestions or what questions do you have? The fifth one was, do you feel like this program will help you get clients or already is? You know, that was the whole, that's the whole nut of my program. So I wanted to get a sense of sort of where people are at with that. And then the last one was just anything else you'd like to tell me or questions you have for me about all this. Real simple, could be applied to anything. And you certainly don't need six questions. But I think that mindset with everything you do of like, actively iterating and you know the advantage again this is another one of those advantages of having your own audience to be able to sort of pull from them is it's one thing to sort of just make changes but it's another to deliberately approach things like that and i think that's core to how i do a lot of stuff and i can see over time it gets better and better and not only the not only am i asking that stuff and not only am i looking at kind of the data piece right like with my newsletter I'm paying attention to like, oh, that got a lot of clicks. Yep. Like, I wonder why that got a lot of clicks. But I'm also paying attention to the sort of softer metrics of some days when I share something, I get more people replying, even just saying like, wow, I love that. Yep. And it doesn't have to be masses. But if I get three people That I don't usually hear from, who say, "Oh my God, like that was so helpful." Like that's a signal. So it's that combination of paying attention and then also deliberately seeking it out that I think fuels a lot of iteration for me. Any questions about any of that?
1: No, that makes sense. I mean, I've often said, like, you and I talk to other people even about like just being on LinkedIn and engaging. Like, there's a lot of lurkers. Like, but when you post something and those lurkers actually show up, you're like, oh gosh, I haven't heard from you in a while, but something made you want to interact with this. So that makes a great point. And also asking your audience what they want is, is definite. And to go back to what you first said, the beginning part of that question is like defining success, yeah. and kind of what you're doing with both brands. And with the personal brand, the success was like, if I was happy and I felt like I was adding value to the audience, that was enough for me at first, right? Because it, it was a newer yeah. platform where I felt a bit more open to be able to talk about the mix of business and life and, and certain things that were kind of going on where I got a lot of attention to. And then year two of it was, can I make a dollar do? Like, yeah. can I just like make some level of money doing this, which I had achieved? Right. And then, mm-hmm. and then now it's like, like you had said, defining what the next kind of set of that is. I've actually put some financial goals around it. They weren't mm-hmm. super aggressive because to be fair. The consulting business has funded everything, right? I mean, that's what I've been doing for six years. Like, that's what my career has been Mm -hmm. based on. This gave me the ability to be unencumbered by having to produce income. But now it's at Mm -hmm. the point where if it's growing enough where... To your point, I have to figure out which one I want to prioritize from a hierarchy standpoint. Yeah. So so that's super helpful to, to walk me through.
0: Well, thank you for the prompts and the questions. I know lots of people have similar questions to to what you wanted to know. So I was excited to, to talk about them. So tell people who want to obviously connect with you on LinkedIn and check out your other stuff. Where should they go? The best
1: way to find me is probably jasonmpearl.com. That's M is in Matthew. So jasonmpearl.com. If you want to subscribe to the video newsletter, everyone can win. Just go to just JasonPearl.com backslash subscribe and you know the, the newsletter platform is on YouTube so it's at Jason M. Mm-hmm. Pearl on YouTube as well so that's where you guys can find me.
0: Cool. And for me again, my newsletter for theInterested.com/slash subscribe. My skill sessions, which are one-hour video workshops, you can learn how to get more newsletter subscribers, get clients, define your niche. Lots of good stuff there go to joshspector.com slash sessions. I'm on Twitter all day, every day at (laughs) J Spector. If you would like to come on this podcast and ask me three questions, just go to joshspector.com slash questions to submit them. And that's about it. Jason, thank you so much. It's great to finally actually meet you. Thanks everyone for listening. I appreciate it. And I will see you next week.